machine automatically selects the right procedure and follows it. All of these... The Outline World Dispatch. It's Wednesday, October 4th, 2017. I'm William Turton. Today on The Dispatch, we're talking about the Equifax hack. First, Adrian Jeffries watched the former CEO of Equifax testify before Congress. My diagnosis is that Equifax wasn't really very accountable to customers. Then, she called a dystopian novelist about what life would be like if everyone got hacked. We're going to be faced with a situation where there's going to be a, a massive breach of our data, and we're all, we're all going to wonder how, how to proceed. Here's the dispatch. The future. Hi, Adrian. Hey, William. So there was a hearing on the Hill yesterday about the Equifax breach. The former CEO testified. What happened? Right. So the hearing was in the House Committee uh, for Energy and Commerce. Good morning. Today we're here to get the facts to learn what happened at Equifax that led to the personal information of over 143 million Americans' information being stolen. And it was a three-hour hearing, lots of questions from lots of representatives for Richard Smith, who was CEO of Equifax for the last 12 years until he stepped down after this cybersecurity breach. Uh, So set the scene for me. Tell me who was there and who was on the panel. So this was a hearing in the House in the House Committee on Energy and Commerce and uh, in particular the Subcommittee on Digital Commerce and Consumer Protection. And there were a lot of members interested in asking questions to Richard Smith, the former CEO of Equifax. Priority number one. We must protect Americans and work to safeguard their personal information online. It was definitely a bipartisan grill fest. Why was there uh, nearly a week uh, between August 17th and August 22nd uh, before members of the board were alerted? Uh, Congressman, the picture was very fluid. We're Fl- learning, learning. Fluid, fluid. What, what does that mean? Members of Congress, Republicans, Democrats, were very eager to drag Smith and drag Equifax. And I get that this u- unique model is a good deal for Equifax, but can you explain how it's a good deal for consumers? They seem to have a pretty good grasp of the issues, which is not always true if you've ever watched one of these hearings, especially in cybersecurity. Um, right. Oftentimes, the members of Congress have no idea what they're talking about, but... In this case, they all seem to pretty much get it. Americans have a right to know how this happened. I've prepared to testify today about what I've learned and what I did. So Richard Smith opens by saying, I'm so sorry. It's my responsibility. I accept full responsibility for what happened. The criminal hack happened on my watch. And as CEO, I am ultimately responsible. And I take full responsibility. I'm here today to say to each and every person affected by this breach, I'm truly and deeply sorry for what happened. But even so, during the testimony, some members pointed out the fact that he's not actually affiliated with the company anymore. So, like, maybe they should get somebody in who is actually going to be able to make some changes. So the Equifax story has been unraveling now for more than a month. Where are we at right now? Yeah, so it was September 7th when Equifax revealed that its systems had been breached. And at the time, it estimated around 145 million Americans had been affected and potentially had personal information, including social security numbers and 
um, lots of other information like addresses, employment history, um, all that stuff had potentially been um, stolen by hackers. Since then, Equifax has completely botched its response. And throughout the process, they've been extremely opaque about what's actually going on. Yeah, I mean, it's still kind of hard to tell if you personally were affected by the breach, which is the main thing that everybody wants to know. Right, exactly. The other thing that we still don't know is exactly who was behind this breach and how that happened. There were some more details that came out during Smith's testimony about like what happened internally um, that led to the breach, but we still don't really have a full autopsy on exactly what happened. Right. And so what did Smith reveal about what happened inside Equifax during the breach? So this hack was possible because there was a vulnerability in a piece of software that Equifax used, and that vulnerability was discovered in March and published, and a patch was released in order to fix the vulnerability. And so everybody who was using this piece of software, which is called Apache Struts, was supposed to update it with this patch in order to fix the bug. Somehow, Equifax didn't get the memo, didn't fix the bug, and then two months later, hackers completely owned them. I've talked to other software companies and people in this space who say some companies have an automated system that when a patch comes out, it automatically gets installed. That's not what you had necessarily, right? I'm unaware of an automatic automatic patch. So that's what happened, and it was pretty lame when... Smith testified about this and and members of Congress asked him, you know, what happened? How could you let this happen? Like, how did you blow it so bad? And he said, well, we have identified a human error and a technical error, a technological error. And his he was saying the human error was that there was one person who was responsible for making sure it was communicated to the right team that this patch needed to be done, that this software was something that Equifax used somewhere in its systems and that that needed to be fixed. The human error was the individual who was responsible for communicating in the organization to apply the patch did not. And then the uh, the technological error that he cited was actually still kind of a human error because it was like he said they were running a scanner around the system that was supposed to pick up on uh, bugs that had been overlooked and this this scanner failed to catch the bug. The double check was the scanning device that was deployed a few days later. But did the scanning device was, I don't know how that process works. Does it know you have that software? Or do you have to tell it that's what you're scanning for? It's the latter. You got to tell it what it's looking for. It scans the environment. And so then after a follow-up question, he said, oh yeah, well, you need to tell the scanner what to look for. So that suggests that in this case, the person who was responsible for identifying that a patch needed to be deployed had not identified it or had not communicated it. And so how would the scanner know what to look for? No, the, the scanner is deployed by the security team. And Anyway, the main takeaway was uh, that it seemed like the cybersecurity system was poorly designed if it was possible that one person could have so much responsibility with no checks and balances that an error on their part could lead to a breach this big. Right. That's kind of along the lines of the question I was going to ask. Did you get the sense from watching the now ex-CEO testify that they kind of realized the gravity of 
the sensitive data that they hold and did they do enough to protect it? Right. Well, they definitely didn't do enough. It's clear. My diagnosis is that Equifax wasn't really very accountable to customers. It's a B2B company. It's not public facing or this part of its business is not public facing. And the law in this area has a a lot of gaps. So there was an absence of accountability and that lack of accountability allowed Equifax to slack off in this area. That's exactly where we need to go, to a much larger discussion, because most Americans really don't know how much information, what it is that you have it, and they never said okay. Equifax is one-third of this credit bureau triopoly, and if a customer, if a consumer freezes their credit at Equifax, it doesn't make a difference unless they simultaneously freeze their credit at the other two bureaus because any lender who is looking for a credit check will just go to one of the other bureaus. It's an insane system, an insane, broken system, and Equifax is very content with its business model, which is extremely lucrative and uh, is definitely not being um, very enthusiastic about changing the core of what it does. Is Equifax going to pay for credit freezes for the other two bureaus? That was a question that came up during the hearing. The answer is no. So what happens next for Equifax? So there is another hearing coming up on the Hill in the Senate. Um, This committee, several members said they wanted to talk more. They wanted to talk to executives, current executives at Equifax. And there is a bill that has been introduced, a bill that was introduced in 2015 and is now being reintroduced. That bill was introduced by Representative Jan Schakowsky, and it's called the Secure and Protect Americans Data Act. It's a step in the right direction. It represents the right attitude. It seems like there's bipartisan support for it, and people are pretty fired up about the Equifax hack. So probably something like that will pass. Um, But that definitely won't be the end of it for Equifax because there are a bunch of class action lawsuits that have been filed. Eric Schneiderman in New York, the attorney general for New York, is doing a formal investigation and has been pretty aggressive about it. So there could be more consequences that come out in the next couple of years. Also, later in the day after the hearing concluded, the IRS announced that it was giving Equifax a $7.5 million no-bid contract for its data services. So Equifax, while it was in the hot seat in the House, is still pretty cozy with the government. I have another thought, actually. Regardless of what happens with Equifax, this system where these three credit bureaus manage all of this essentially metadata, like 100, 200 pages of information about all the adults who participate in the modern economy, is a crazy system. And that system looks like it's probably unlikely to change. Adrian Jeffries is a senior editor at The Outline. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you. So every time a big breach like this happens, I think back to this piece that I read in BuzzFeed in 2012, and it's a piece of speculative fiction called Life After a Total Hack. It basically lays out 
what maybe would happen if everything and everyone in the U.S. had all their information exposed by hackers. It was written by John Methvin, who is a novelist. And it was kind of the concept of, of what if all of our information was suddenly made public? I wanted to talk to John about the genesis of this piece and how it's gotten more relevant as the years have gone by. So uh, let's go back to the story. Um, sure. Can you summarize what the story is about? Yeah, so the story is, is it basically imagines um, what if there was an algorithm or, or a, a, all everyone's data was hacked, not just celebrities, not just uh, a co- corporations or governments, but what if, what if all information was hacked and it was available online, uh, a website where people could go and they could, they could check into anything. And uh, the, the information was just dropped on there for everybody to view the way that we could go to Google. And so you can Google anything about anybody, and the information is all up there. There's no, there's no such thing as privacy. Right. And so the way you told the story, you kind of jumped around different scenes with people in different situations experiencing that fallout in different ways. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, in a, in a short story that you, you want folks to read online, it's hard to, to, to get to the bottom of this. But I think we had a, a good group of slivers of, of society where, you know, this would, would impact people. Like most people, my mind goes right to the gutter. So it was, it was how would, uh, what we're watching, um, what pornography we're watching, what, what weird things we have going on, um, that we don't want anybody to know about. And when that, when all that information is public, what does that do to relationships and marriages and, you know, the institutions of society? Yeah, so do you feel like uh, your story has come to pass? I, I do think it's headed in that, that direction because, you know, I think that over time what we're going to see is, is this is, is, is really, this is going to come to pass and, and we're going to be faced with a situation where there's going to be a, a massive breach of our data and we're all, we're all going to wonder how, how to proceed. I'm curious about some of the responses that you got to the piece when it first came out. Did people, did it um, like hit a nerve with people or was it kind of a little bit too early still at that point? No, definitely. You know, that's, that's uh, of all of the stuff that I've ever written, I've probably had the biggest response from that. And even, even when I was writing the piece, it, it sort of opened my eyes what the possibilities were because when the piece was, was first, when the idea was first put to me, I was like, of course I could do this. I'd love to do this. It sounds great. But then when you get into it and you really take some time to think about what a total hack would look like, it's, it's really, it's, it's petrifying. The way that I wrote this was like, how do I imagine, how do I imagine something like this, that something this big, and I just decided I'm just going to go to the internet and I'm just going to look at what, what's going on. And that's sort of how I came up with the concept of, you know, the, the store that's, that's anticipating what people are going to want and just shipping the boxes. And then mm-hmm. if they don't want it, they can ship it back. And they're, you know, if, if all of our information is free, then they're going to know when you're out of toilet paper, when I'm out of cereal, they're going to know when all the, all of this stuff is, is empty and they can, gauge when to when to ship stuff but, you know a couple of years after this came out amazon started doing this, this sort of thing where they can they're they're into ship stuff uh before people order 
So what dystopian future are you thinking about writing about next? Um, I'm actually writing about a, uh, I have a novel coming out next year called uh, Therapy Mammals. It is, um, it's about the, the gun control issue, um, how, uh, you know, investors can, can benefit from uh, a mass shooting. Well, thank you so much, John. Thank you. That's it for The Dispatch. To find out how to subscribe to the show or any of our others, go to theoutline.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm William Turton. More stories tomorrow.